0: The word today for me, and I can't help myself but teach because I'm a teacher, so uh, bear with me. Um, So the word today is growth, right? This is one of our core values. If you don't know what our core value is, if you're taking our membership class or have taken our membership class, it's something that we deeply believe in as a church. It's part of our DNA. So growth is a big deal. What does that mean, growth for us? Well, we want to grow in certain areas in our lives, right? We want to grow emotionally. Right? Spiritually, right? Now you can't grow it physically anymore. Right? And intellectually, uh, I apologize for that. Should have been on the screen today, but I don't know where to put this so everybody can see it. Everybody, right? Everybody, move it up. What happens to them? (laughs) I think we'll do that, okay? But we want to grow in these areas in our lives, right? Because this leads to one thing, and one thing only. It's this. Maturity. You ever been around immature people? Don't they annoy you? Yeah, like really? You're 50 years old. Right, like I can understand someone young, right, that's why sometimes, oh, you're so mature above your age, you know, when you get a teenager who acts really mature about things, so it's important to understand that as we grow, the purpose is for us to mature. Today I'm going to read a parable and kind of express what God is trying to say in the parable. Just be aware that last week we talked about a parable, and a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right, a spiritual meaning. So as you listen to it, know that it's a story that he's telling people that are around him, but he really wants them to connect to the spiritual emphasis that he's trying to place. And what we want to do in a parable is we want to look to see God in it and see ourselves in it, but also see the relevant application for my life. Okay? God, ourselves, and the relevant application, because this was written a long time ago. So we have to understand the context that it was written in, but at the same time, the word of God is timeless. So it doesn't just stick in the past. It's powerful today. And we have to learn the lessons of it because, again, it's part of what we're supposed to be doing. Right? There's a lot of information out there. And we're living in very, very trying times. If you know, there's a lot of backlash that's going out there now because of Roe versus Wade. The situations are just, you know, there was protests. People are starting to say this thing. And, and I won't say much on it. Um, because I don't want to politicize, but I do have a stance on it. And I think before we start talking about killing a baby, we should talk about taking care of yourself. Let's have that conversation. It's your body. You decide not to engage in behavior that's going to make you make that decision. So... I, I, I listen I, I said I won't get involved in it right now but I wanted to make that a point as we listen to people about what's going on in their lives we understand um, it's horrible but at the same time uh, God is making statements throughout history that allow us to be realized that we have to pray about a lot of things amen so let's stand to our feet as we read the word today keep it in mind again we're talking about growth, maturity, right? Areas in our lives that we have to mature in, that we have to grow. It doesn't happen on its own. It happens as we walk by faith, led by his spirit in obedience to his word. Obedience to his word. I can't do this. I got a whole lot of information, right? I don't want to follow information. I want to follow what the truth says about God and about me. Amen. So I'm going to read it. Just listen as I let it wash over you so that you get the the essence of it. It's found in Luke chapter 13, 6 through 9. The New King James Version, that's what those letters mean. He says this. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of this vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree And find none, cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, uh, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. That is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I said that a parable speaks about God, and we have to find God in this. We have to find ourselves in it, and we have to find the relevancy for us. Now, something you need to understand going into it: prior to this, Jesus is uh, on the move. The first thing he does, as we open up to the story, that's why it says he also spoke this parable. Right before that, he had cleansed the temple. If you remember that, because a lot of us camp out on that scripture, right? Well, Jesus was angry. That means I could be angry. No, right? He turns over the table. He walks into the temple. He finds out that they're, you know, messing around with the wakes and jipping people. So they made his house uh, a place where rather than it to be worship and prayer, they made it something else. They use the court to to do business, right? They're they're selling things, and in selling things, you know how it is when you haggle in a market, right? You know, $2, $1, you know, you're just playing. So he walks in there, sees it, turns it over, and calls it a den of thieves, right? This is supposed to be a house of prayer and worship, and then he chases them out of there. And then he comes into this parable as well. So there's another story that I want to read alongside this and use it as a parallel text so that you're aware of the significance of trees. The significance of trees in the Bible is a big deal, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, the tree of life, right? It's a big deal. And it's a reason because God wants us to live our lives as trees. Okay? Following me so far? Now be mindful that this particular tree, for three years, nothing. Like what's up? Right? Now, I want to read from Mark chapter 11. Verses 12 to 13, 2021. 20, uh, don't worry about it, just follow along, please. Um, again, I apologize for stuff not being on the screen, but if you just listen, you'll get the idea of where we're going with this." It says, "Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, He being Jesus, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see it. Perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, He found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now they leave, they come back. It says, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to them, Rabbi, look. Rabbi is a word they call teacher. The fig tree you curse has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God." Now, I would be amiss not to tell you the historical context of it and try to use it as something else, but I want you to realize two things. One, the fig tree is significant in this story. It's significant because it's supposed to bear fruit, and it's not bearing fruit. In the second story, he saw from afar that the leaves were green. So it appeared to be advertising something that it wasn't producing. We can leave now, can't we? It was advertising something that it wasn't producing. From afar, it looked like it had luscious. Why? Because the figs are green, and it's supposed to, when the leaves come out, it's supposed to also have figs. Now, it says he knew it wasn't the season, but during, in that particular region, you see that fig trees can go on for 12 months a year and have cycles of fruit. This particular one didn't have any fruit, and it wasn't just about the fig tree. He was trying to make a statement because he shows up on the scene, and he realizes, again, that Israel, his people, are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And he uses this moment as a teachable moment to teach his disciples, this is not about the fig tree. This is about the nation of Israel. This is about a people who claim to be something, yet are not producing the very fruit that they're supposed to be producing. Fast forward to you and to me. If I am a fig tree, am I given the appearance of green leaves with no fruit? Because that would deceive others to think that they could be nourished by us. Now, now this is significant for us to understand, because as he does this, he says he curses this victory. And then in the other one, he's bent on letting them know, listen, I've been coming around for three years. Now, I don't know how long you've been coming around. <laughs> We're talking about growth. We're talking about maturity. We're talking about the appearance that you're mature but acting as if you're not. The appearance that you are emotionally sound and healthy, spiritually sound and healthy, but you're not. The, the, the part of growing, you know, I've committed myself, and, and, and I just do this regularly, is, is I committed myself to reading at least two books every month. Two, two books every month about anything, right? Anything, you know, I study this, and it's just, it's just me, right? Because there's one thing that they can't take away from you ever. It's what you know. Right. Can never take away that from you. They take everything away from you, but not what you know. So, again, I, I'm, I'm talking about I'm the nation of Israel, but I'm making a shift for you to understand that it's talking to us as well. We cannot give the appearance of something that we're not. We have to be mindful. He says here, listen, I've been investing. I've been coming around for three years. Some of you have been coming around a little longer. And it's important that you understand that it, it, he's saying there has to be this fruit that you produce in your life that's not only appealing to others and draws others, others near, but also that they can glean and be nourished by the fruit that you're producing. He says, cut it down, it's taking up ground, it's useless, it's not really doing anything. When a tree is bearing fruit, they say that it's matured. When you pluck a fruit from it, right, anybody knows how to pick fruits, right? You know, you you don't grab something that's hard, you don't bite into it. I went to buy peaches the other day and I could knock somebody out with it, right? You know. So, you know, you feel it. You know, there's a way of of figuring out. You know, I've learned how to touch, you know, that part of it and see how it works. If it's hard, it's not mature. And and in our lives, we have to be mindful that maturity is something that God is going to do through us as we continue to walk in obedience, led by His Spirit. Understanding that obedience doesn't feel good, but at the end of the day, I have to be able to walk with Him so He can do the work in me that He has promised to do. Some of us resist the work of God in our lives. Why? Because it doesn't feel comfortable. It's not making me happy. Well, God didn't come to make you happy. He came to make you holy. And making you holy means that he's got to chip away at your unholiness, at those things in your area. So I am a work in progress. But you can't say that if you're not in that assembly line of the work. Oh, I'm a work in progress. Don't trip. No, listen, I'm not tripping. I'm not, I'm not. But the Word of God tells me, it specifically in this text, three years I've been coming around to try to eat from this tree. Three years I've been looking to see how you are growing, walking in obedience, led by His Spirit, and nothing yet. You're still emotionally a wreck. You're still crying over spilt milk. You're still trying to chase that relationship that was unhealthy. Yeah, but it's the only thing I know. No, it's time to turn the page. If God closed the door on that, you need to move forward. Because let me tell you something. The Bible reminds me that if God closed the door, let no man try to open it. What? You're still trying to pick the lock. <laughs> What's up with that? Like, like really, emotionally, we have to be mindful, right? We have to be able to grow. Why? I share with you my powerlessness right? In, in the past, you know, I'm trying to make phone calls frantically, trying to arrange this stuff and, you know, make moves. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to be still. I'm going to keep you on the phone, make you laugh, and just make sure that you're okay. Emotionally, are you sitting in your seat growing emotionally? Because naturally, physically, we're going to grow, right? You know, your little baby, we grow, right? Keep feeding us, we're going to grow, grow, grow. But then we get to a point where physically we stop growing. At least this way we stop growing. I'll leave that one alone, right? But keep in mind that emotionally, there are ebbs and flows of life that sometimes will get you trapped in this place, right? We call it a depression. Right? We, we call it a depression because it's a dip in our, in our mental capacity, our mental state. And what he's saying is we have to grow and mature, and the only way we do that is in Christ. In fact, in John, it talks about abide in me because without me you can do nothing. That's the power of God's word. If you want to do something, you have to be mindful that the only way you're going to be able to do that is in Christ. It's abiding in Christ. Right? You know, uh, Matthew 633 tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added onto you. Right? So we have to be mindful that the first thing that comes out of my mind is i got to seek God. The Bible then talks about desires and delighting in things. So I have to delight in him so he gives me the desires of my heart. Now I guarantee that desires will change once you delight in him because he's going to give you new lenses to look at the world around you. My desire is not that he takes me out of this world. But he will allow me to be one with him. So he goes on to say, cut it out. And then the guy, there's a pleading here that happens. And you see this throughout the Bible. When the people uh, were being led out of the wilderness, out of slavery, they started to murmur. Um, and they, they questioned Moses' leadership. And they was like, why do you take us out of here? You know, send us back to Egypt. Like I, I always bug out when I hear that, right? That someone will come to God and says, I don't want to be clean anymore. I want to just smoke crack for the rest of my life. Right? Like, really? No, I just want to go back to that abusive relationship. Why you brought me over here? That's what these people were saying, and they criticized Moses. But Moses does something that this guy also does here. Moses cried out, stood in the gap between the people and God, and said, God, don't punish them. God, don't do anything to them. And here you see the same thing. This guy says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, don't cut it down yet. Give me some time to keep working in it." He uses the word fertilizer. Anybody know what fertilizer is, right? It accelerates the growth, right? So he says, "Let me fertilize it. Let me dig around it." And when you dig around a plant, if you know anything about gardening, what you're doing it is you're trying to protect it, right? From whatever insects or anything else that's coming near it that's probably eating at its very root. So he says, "Let me fertilize it and you come back in a year." And if nothing is happening, then we'll cut it down. It's important to understand this, because there are three areas in our lives that we have to be producing fruit. The first one is Christian character. Christian character. If you're writing down anything, you need to write this down. The way that we mature, the way that we grow, the way that we produce food is in Christian character. What does that mean? Stop lying. Just stop lying. Let's start with that area in our lives. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Character, integrity, honesty, responsibility. You see, I'm cussing up here, and all you are like, wow, what are these words? I don't, I don't like none of these words. Commitment. Ladies, do you want somebody in your life that's responsible and committed, or do you want somebody that's irresponsible and not committed? Ladies, at this time, you can say Amen. Right. You have to be mindful, you know, so again, we're talking about maturity because there's a lot of people out there, not in this church, out there who are not mature, who have been around for three years, four years, five years, and they're still emotionally a wreck. Right. When they hit a wall, they're crying and screaming rather right? than say, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to God. You ask them, are you reading your word? And they tell you no. So intellectually, they're not growing. There's nothing to draw from, right? There's nothing to draw from. The Holy Spirit is trying to draw from something, and it's dry because you haven't been spending time with God. And God is trying to tell you, I want to give you a word that's going to propel you through this situation. You're not going to get over it. You're going to go through it. Why do we have to go through things? Because the purpose of God is to create Christian character in us and a complete dependence on him. Everybody wants to skip the pain. Everybody wants to skip the suffering. Everybody wants to get around the problem. And God is saying, no, I'm going to take you through the suffering. I'm going to be with you. We're going to walk through this problem. I'm going to show you the solution. Like God is with us. And in the midst of that, he's building character in us. What? A character that fully depends on him and not on anybody else. Anybody ever been let down? Yeah. Right? You call somebody, they don't pick up. You got to go crazy. I said, why am I paying for this phone if you ain't picking up? Right? In my mind, I'm going to disconnect it right now. Right? <laughs> but, but just keep that in mind. Like God, he always picks up. Every time you call, he says, yo, hey, I was waiting for you to call because I see that problem coming and you don't anticipate. So you want to talk to me about it? And God gives us discernment to be able to see things. Right? Discernment is a spiritual thing. So if I'm not maturing, I'm not growing, I don't see it for what it is. You need to understand that everything happens in the spiritual realm and then manifests itself physically in this world. What we're seeing today is just that. The Bible talks about principalities and powers and strongholds of this dark world that we're battling against and if you're not armed for this battle, you're going to be defeated constantly. He goes on to say here, have faith in me. Why is that so important? Well, the nation of Israel wasn't having so much faith in them. They, they, he wasn't having faith in them. They were uh, participating in idolatry. They were beginning to, again, slowly but surely do these things that move them further and further away from God. If you're not sure, you look at the prophets and you see them constantly crying out to God for the people. And what gets me about as I study the prophets is that they are not exempt from the problem. Like all of you here, if you believe in Christ, understand this. And this is just a gift for today so that you go home with it. You are all part of the body. All of us. Jesus is the head, and we're part of the body. Right? If a part of the body is sick, what happens to the rest of the body? Do you understand that? So so, so, so let's say you're a leg, and you're not growing, you're not maturing. That means that now I gotta drag you along. I gotta drag you because you're not functioning the way you're supposed to be functioning. Your sin affects our sin, right? Our lives, because we're part of this body. If you're part of this body, if you say yes to Jesus Christ and you're in this church right now, you're part of this body. So we have to be able to grow in these areas of our lives and mature that we bear fruit, especially in Christian character. The next area that we have to grow in is our Christian conduct. I see some Christians wiling, man. I mean, they call themselves Christian, and they're wiling, they're crazy. Jumping a line, cutting you off in traffic, not giving up the seat in the subway to a pregnant lady. Like, like I see them, and I'm like crazy, not speaking up when they need to speak up. It's like, really? You call yourself a Christian? Christian means Christ-like, and Christ didn't stay silent in the sense of injustice. He said something. Our conduct, being polite to one another, Saying thank you. When you walked into this church today, how many people did you say hi to? Or did you just run straight to your seat? Your reserve seat, by the way. (laughs) Think about it. Are you walking into this room and not interacting with people? The community that God has brought you into to grow you, to nurture in you, right? To help you be developed, to help you to mature. There are connections here that you should be making. People should be in your life helping you and guiding you. The Bible says that the older women are supposed to teach the younger women how to behave. You can't do that if you're going wild. You just can't do that. You have to be mindful. It says the same thing about the older men in the church. They're supposed to help the younger men maintain their sanity. Well how do I do that if you don't let me into your life? You've been coming around for three years and you're not seeking to connect with anybody. You're simply doing it on your own. Therefore, you're still not maturing. You're still not growing, why? You're starting to understand things and do things on your own that only are mixed in with a little bit of what you used to do. So you're trying to sprinkle in a little Jesus and a little you. (laughs) That's a laboratory. I don't know what's gonna come out of that. (laughs) I don't know what's going to come out of that. So we want to grow and produce fruit in our Christian character, and our Christian conduct. Listen to me. If you're a Christian, there's a certain way that we interact with people. Like, chivalry is not dead. Being polite is not something that's, you know, passe. You know, being able to serve someone else and not think of yourself so much, that this is the conduct that the Holy Spirit begins to do for us. He begins to move in such a way that it stirs up in the compassion for other people. Compassion for, for the least of these. You guys don't realize what goes on here regularly. Right now, as we sit in this room, there is a young man upstairs who's detoxing, who he bought off the street late last night. Between Chris, Monty, Eugene, we bathe him, fed him, and give him a place to sleep. And holding him down, Ron just went out to get him a tea and, 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 and some water, why? Right, because he's jonesing. He's going through it upstairs, right now, as we're here. And you have something to do that when you bring your tithes and your offerings into the church. It allows us to be open. It allows us to be able to do that. Because it's better to sleep in a couch than to sleep in the street. So so, so I want you to understand that our Christian conduct is not about you, it's about others and your service. Because Jesus came to do what? To serve, not to be served. Then the next one is Christian converts. The Bible clearly tells us that we're supposed to go and make disciples. We're supposed to be able to share with people what we already have learned and what we know. If you know nothing, you can share nothing. Again, three years No fruit. You can't help anybody else if you got no fruit. If you're curious about the fruit that it talks about, well, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, it talks about gentleness and kindness and all these things that we're supposed to be doing as we follow Christ. Listen, I share with you a little bit of my life, not only this week, but last week. If I had my choice, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. God called me out of obscurity, stormed the gates of hell, and pulled me out of a bad situation in my life. And whispered into my ear, I love you. Now, you have to, you're not listening to this, right? He, he said, I love you and wanted nothing from me. Come on now. Come on now. Many of us in this room have been told, I love you, but it's like a boomerang. (laughs) You know, I love you, but I want something from you. Or they stand there and say, I love you, and they're waiting for you to say it back. And if you don't, there's a problem, isn't it? God loved us before we loved him. He made the first move. While we were yet his enemies, he loved us. Imagine that, that while we were yet his enemies, there are people out there that still don't want to hear about God. He died for them. When I heard that, it stirred up something in me and planted a seed in my heart. I'm not here because of anything else but the love of Jesus and the transforming power of his Holy Spirit. I've raised my son who is visiting different than my father raised me. Why? Because of Jesus. I love my wife different than my father loved his wives. Plural. Plural. That's why, for me, 35 years is significant. It's a big deal. Because the model, it's all for the glory of God. Why? Because the model I had to go by was going to get me in trouble. Like, you don't know what is it to walk down the street with your father and him telling you, that's your brother. That's your sister. When I'm thinking... My sisters are at home. So the model I had didn't work. So if it were not for Christ, I wouldn't be where I am today. And it's important that you understand that if it were not for Christ, you would not be where you are today. And you may not be where you want to be, but just know that He is faithful to complete what He has started in you. So He is not finished. So don't trip. Don't get crazy. When the enemy accuses you of what kind of Christian you are, let him know, listen, my dad is working on me. Just leave me alone for a minute, right? Come back in a year and see how I'm doing. Because if you be still and know that he's God and allow him to do what he has to do, listen, it hurts. It hurts. Every time God dealt with something in my life, it hurt. Why? Because I clung to it. I made it part of my identity. And every time God pulls something out, I say, God, can I keep that? He said, uh-uh. Not if you're going to walk with me. Not if you're going to walk with me. You can't keep that. I said, Lord, I'll dress it up. I'll cover it up good. He said, No, no. There'll be no covering up. There'll be no green leaves without fruit. There's gotta be leaves and fruit. It can't be one or the other. It's gotta be both. Amen? Amen. So it's important that you understand that as you move forward through life, there is an opportunity for you, and all of you, listen to me, all of you have a pulpit, all of you have a podium. Or do you have a platform somewhere? It may not be up here, but you do. There's access that God has given you to share the truth that you know with others. And it's important for us to do that. Now, I'm going to walk you through the blank pages, and then we're going to walk closer and closer to our communion. In your bulletins, there is a handout. And in it, there are some black spaces. And I want to fill them out so you have them with you. You know, I've collected these things throughout my, my, my whole life and uh, I keep journals and, and I write things and I'm able to refer things as I go along. I go home, I'm able to talk about these things. Me and my son are gonna hang out later, we're gonna talk about the sermon and he's gonna correct some of the things I said and done. Um, but I look forward to that conversation as well. But this helps you as a tool for you to be able to take it with you and be able to use it and fill it out, okay? So the first one is something we learned from the text itself is that Jesus doesn't tolerate is that the first one? Thank you. The first one, God is willing to forgive and is patient. He's willing to forgive always, and he is patient. What is required for uh, forgiveness is repentance. And I'll read a scripture from Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. Numbers 14, verse 18. It says this. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. My desire as I continue to pour into my family is that my faith doesn't die with me, that it continues from generation to generation. Amen? So that's the first one. The second one is stay rooted in Christ. Stay rooted in Christ. What does that mean? I, I want to abide in Christ. That, that's what I want to be able to do. I want to stay rooted in Christ. If I'm going to be planted, right? I want to be like a palm tree, right? I want to bend, but I don't break. I, I want to be able to move with the storm, but not let the storm move me. Everybody got that? Because storms will come into your life. It's not if they're going to come. They will come into your life. Right. We're all going to get slapped at one time or another. And I think it was Mike Tyson who said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Right. Then we got to see what we're going to do. Right. So Galatians chapter two, verse six through seven says this. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Everybody heard that. Not in anything else, but in him rooted and built up by him. Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I am so grateful for the life I get to live today. Like, like I am like, you know, like, like just, whoo! Like I just, I just love the life I get to live. I do, like I just love it. Even closer is closer. You know, uh, Ania brought it up again to remind me uh, I'm getting ready to retire. Like, like I'm, I'm like a prisoner marking dates like this. Down, down, down. Like, yo, I'm just mocking them, you know? And I'm getting closer and closer to that day, and I just, you know, it, it, it just, it's become a reality. Like, it's been 30 years of working for the Department of Education, dealing with high school students every day. Put away your phone, do your homework, right? But 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 30 years and when you, you don't get a glimpse when you start. Right? And and it's so it's just I love the life that I'm living. Why? Let him build it up. Stay still and let him build it up. Now just know that he's gonna have to do some digging first. Because there are some foundational stuffs that you're still clinging to. There are some attitudes that you're still holding on to. There are some behaviors that don't look like maturity in Christ. You could physically be a certain age, but you can be very immature, right? You ever get someone that holds on to something for a long time? Like doesn't let it go like a pit bull, like let go of it already, right? Let's talk about it. No, I'm going to stay mad forever. Why? (laughs) You know? So keep that in mind. Build up, overflowing with thankfulness. And then finally, the first one I started with, which I should have ended, is Jesus doesn't tolerate false appearances. He doesn't, you see it right here when he says, hey, I've been coming around for three years now. I've been coming here to try to find something to eat. And the other one, he says, he drew near because he saw these leaves. And it was like, oh, man, this, this looks like something. These people are going to church every single day. Let me, let, me, let me find out what they have to offer. And you have nothing to offer. Because you've been coming. You've been playing the part. you got the Christian ease down packed. I was here yesterday for the pantry, just observing, just walking around. And I watched some Christians act inappropriately. And I'm thinking to myself, does pressure do that to people? And that's why it's so important for us to realize that there are going to be pressures in our lives that are going to squeeze what's already in us. It is. And that's why constantly my prayer is, God, search my heart. If there's anything in it that is not of you, please remove it. That's David's prayer in Psalm 51. He says, anything in me, I give you permission, God. I give you access. And when you do that, be very careful that once you're given a permission, he's going to reveal it. It's going to be on the jumbotron. That's what you're doing. And I, you know, I just walked around and I saw it and I said, Lord, have mercy on them, Call them to the side, loved on them, let them know what we need to be doing. You know, because we deal with difficult people. We deal. If you want to, if you want to really grow in your faith, come on Saturday and serve in the pantry. Seriously. It's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> easy. you are dealing with difficult people. People want what they want, when they want it, how they want it, because they don't have the God you have. Right? And they can easily draw you into that. Next thing you know, you're rolling around with vegetables on the floor for somebody, you know? No reason to. So, he doesn't tolerate false opinions. Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 to 28 in the NIV says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This is what Jesus said. No wonder they killed him. (laughs) Like, come on. He walks in the scene, and he points at the politicians and said, you're all crazy. In a whitewashed tomb, if you ever see it, it's completed. Anybody ever been to Arlington Cemetery? Rows of white tombs pristine, clean. And he says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're all white and pretty, but inside, in those graves of bones, in your heart is wickedness and unrighteousness. And you know how we know? Because of the way you act, the way you speak, you show up, you look beautiful, but there's still wickedness inside of you. And that's the process that we're in. First and foremost, identifying. Recognizing the sin in my life and taking it to the only one that I can deal with. Don't bring it to me. Don't bring it to me. I'm going to tell you about yourself. Don't bring it to me. Bring it to Jesus. Then come to me. <laughs> All right? No, because, you know, again, we have to be mindful. And for me, guys, and I'll close with this. We're going to do communion. I, I realize the urgency of The ministry we do the niche that God has given us without a doubt uh, the way this church started and the way it continues to move is to help those who are still struggling I truly believe that hope lives on this corner and and it's so important people always ask me like what's the most difficult thing you face as a leader and you know we have all kinds of, of issues right But they belong to God, and God's going to take care of them for us. We truly believe that. But I talked to pastors, and I say, listen, I I don't have three years to create a disciple. I don't have that luxury. Like, Jesus spent three years, the Holy Spirit came, and then he released his men to go out and turn the world on fire. I don't. Sometimes I got three months, two months, one month, to meet someone where they are and then try to work with them to help them to grab a hold of Jesus while they're still holding on to everything else that they're dealing with. There's an urgency that we have in which the time that we have will be held accountable for it. The words we speak will be held accountable for it. And so you have to be mindful that as you're growing, as you're maturing, that there's this evidence in your character in your conduct and how you're reaching others, that you're bearing fruit that is an attraction to others and not a deception. Christians are always called hypocrites by the world. I don't have an issue with what's going on out there. I don't. I know what it is. It's people trying to live without God. That's all it is. And if they would allow themselves to recognize that God is sovereign and they would bow down to him, God is not a king that's a tyrant. He's a loving and caring God who wants to give you this life that you so desperately have tried to seek in so many different places. I love my life. Oh, boy, do I love my life. And it's so amazing that I get a chance to look out into this room and see the lives that God is touching and moving. The way God is ministering through you when you give yourself over to allowing him to do what he does best.